Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Political State from the Oklahoman. I'm Ben Felder here in the Oklahoman's video studios. Joining me this week is Justin Wingeter, our federal government reporter. And uh, Justin, a big election day on Tuesday. Now it's time to talk about 2020. I'm just kidding. <laughs> now we're still going to dissect what we saw this year. There's still a lot to unpack. Um, and this week we've got a special two-part political state coming to you, or at least two episodes. Tomorrow, Friday, we are going to sit down with newly elected our new representative-elect Kendra Horn, the Democrat, Democrat who flipped the 5th Congressional District, one of the biggest, uh, probably the biggest, one of the biggest stories of the, of the week here in Oklahoma, and even a big national story. A lot of national pundits were really surprised by that. That's going to come on Friday, but today, Justin and I are going to dissect what we saw in the gubernatorial election, some really interesting things that we saw there as uh, Governor-elect Kevin Stitt uh, became, uh, was victorious on Tuesday, and is going to become the state's 28th governor. Justin, I don't, I mean, it wasn't going to surprise me either way, whoever won. I mean, the polls were showing this to be a tight race. Both campaigns thought that this was a very close race. What surprised me was that Stitt won by 12 points. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, in political world, that's a, a pretty, uh, pretty large victory. Did that surprise you? Yeah, absolutely. I think it surprised most people. That, uh, that was not what many people, I, I think you talked to Kevin Stitt yesterday, and I think he was surprised. Mm -hmm. I, I, when you have the campaigns expecting a close race and then it's 12 points and really as you watch the election results come in, it was never close. That was, uh, it had to be a surprise. Yeah. When you look at the map, it's not surprising that most of Oklahoma was red with these islands in blue. We knew that would be the case. Yeah. If you had shown me Tuesday morning a preview of what the Oklahoma County precinct map was going to look like, and you, see, you saw all that blue in Oklahoma City, that wouldn't be a surprise. Of course. But you saw all that blue in northwest Oklahoma City, that's different. And yeah. then all that blue in Edmond. I mean, Edmond was really a purple city on Tuesday night. Um, uh, Edmondson won 20 precincts north of the turnpike. Hmm. Uh, for comparison, Hillary Clinton only won one. A little bit of apples and oranges, but just kind of shows you what Ed Edmondson was able to do. If you would have shown me that map, I would have said, hey, Edmondson's <laughs> got a really good chance of winning. Yeah. He didn't win and he didn't even come close. And I think that just shows how powerful rural Oklahoma still is when it comes to deciding a statewide race. And we talked about, uh, we were thinking before the election that if we wake up or if, you know, by the time we go to bed uh, Tuesday night, if Kendra Horn is one, then Drew Edmondson is probably one. Yes. And we did not think it could be the other way around. that. Horn would win and Edmondson would lose. She may and have actually helped him in some of the in, in parts of Oklahoma City. In the yeah, suburbs. I mean Edmondson outperformed Horn in Oklahoma County, so she probably still benefited from that down ballot. There's probably some people I know. You talked to some Republican women in Edmond who were Republicans and are Republicans, but we're going to vote for Edmondson um, for that reason, for the reason of education. They probably some of them probably went down and voted for Horn as well. So I think Horn could have benefited because Edmondson did outperform her in Oklahoma County. Um, he got about 54%, if I recall correctly, and Horn got about 52%. Different races, of course, different dynamics, but mm -hmm. um, she, she probably got a little boost from that. But uh, yeah, I was, I was surprised that Horn would win and Edmondson would not win. It was yeah, you, you talk about uh, the Edmond voters. Um, you know, I, I wrote about this a couple weeks ago that it seemed like Edmondson was doing a good job of getting some Republicans to support him, particularly Republican women in the suburbs who were really focused on education. Um, Edmondson's platform included tax increases, many of the same tax increases that the teachers were pushing for during the two-week walkout. Um, 
Edmondson definitely had the enthusiasm. I mean, behind him. As an underdog candidate might in a year when nationwide Democrats kind of have that enthusiasm. Yeah. And I went on election day up to to Edmond. I went to a couple precincts Mm -hmm. and talked to dozens of women Republicans who were voting for Edmondson. And, you know, a a quick straw poll outside of just two precincts doesn't going to tell you how things are going to go. But I actually came away thinking, man, he may win this thing and he may really do well in Edmond. He did do well in Edmond. He didn't win. And I wonder, did we underplay the enthusiasm in the rural communities? Because turn up, turnout was, re- was really great in these rural communities as well. Yeah. And um, you know, I've been kind of spending some time trying to talk to some voters who supported Stitt. And a lot of them are telling me that, like, hey, I wasn't really engaged in politics until now. I saw in Kevin Stitt an outsider that I thought I could, you know, that I trusted more than a career politician. I wonder if we just kind of undersold the enthusiasm that existed outside the metros. That could be, and if so, well, I think any way you look at it, Tuesday night was bleak for Democrats looking statewide. I, it gets really hard to win statewide if you look at a map like you saw Tuesday night. I mean, Oklahoma County is getting larger and it's getting bluer, and that helps. Everywhere outside of that is bad news for Democrats. I mean, you had this, how, as our colleague Dale wrote this morning, you have the leader of the House Democrats lose a race to a guy who didn't spend a single dollar, he didn't raise a single dollar, he didn't spend a single dollar, and the legislative races are a little different. We can discuss that at and length. Not only did he not spend any money, he referred to his campaign as a word-of-mouth campaign. Yeah. I, he, I didn't even hear him say just, he was knocking doors. It was just a game of telephone. That's all he was doing to try yeah. to win this seat. And, and But back to the statewide. I mean, you, Democrats are really struggling. Though You have to get past just the urban versus rural divide. That's happening everywhere. That's around the country. That, that's, you know, just yeah, universal. Hear, yeah. Republicans in rural areas are... Um, you know, voting in high numbers and Democrats voting in high numbers in urban areas. But th- that enough is not alone in Oklahoma if Democrats are going to win statewide. I, to me, they have to figure out Tulsa. I, if, if you look around the country, it, it's unusual to have a city the size of Tulsa be as bright red as it is. Um, and uh, that, to me, is where you make gain. Because if it's going to be urban versus, versus rural, you better take both urban areas by very large margins, and they're not doing that right now in Tulsa, especially. So, to me, I mean, it's just, it's just a bleak yeah. map Tuesday night statewide yeah. for Democrats. Well, and there, you know, you've got Tulsa and you've got Tulsa County. Tulsa County was red. I mean, there were a lot of precincts within the city limits of Tulsa that were blue. Yeah. And, and the county is kind of oddly, I mean, it's more of a rectangle, while Oklahoma County is a square with Oklahoma City right in the middle of it. So. I feel like you can talk about Oklahoma County and Oklahoma City as being more similar, one and the same. Not quite, but more than you can with Tulsa. Right. Although it's interesting to me because Tulsa has this reputation of kind of being the progressive city in, in Oklahoma. And if you're a progressive in Oklahoma City, I think you've got bragging rights when you take a look at <laughs> uh, yeah. what you're able to do. But yeah, the, the Tulsa equation, I think, is, is interesting. Kevin sits from Tulsa, so maybe he got a little bit of a I'm bump sure there. It yeah. Um, but it, that to me is just you got to figure something out statewide if you're Democrats, because Little Dixie is not coming back to the Democrats anytime soon. You're going to lose the rural areas at at higher rates than you already are. That's just going to happen. You better make up for it in the urban areas if you stand any chance statewide. And like I said, right now they're doing it in Oklahoma City, excuse me, in Oklahoma County, but 
that's just not happening as much on the Tulsa side. And you're right. I was looking at Tulsa County as a whole, which is more than just the city, of course. Yeah. So I was talking to the Stick Campaign's uh, pollster today, and uh, you know, basically asking like, because they had it as a tight race down the stretch as well. And I said, well, yeah. what, what made the difference? What what surprised you? Now. And, and pollsters are going to say, well, it's not so much that we were wrong, it's that the dynamics changed. <laughs> right. But there may be some truth to that. He told me, he said, listen, a week out, this was a really tight race. Um, we knew we'd get the rural areas. We knew we, knew we wouldn't do well in Oklahoma City proper. Um, but we really were struggling. It was not even quite the suburbs, but the, he called them the kind of collar counties in the, in the Oklahoma City area. So the television market of Oklahoma City, which is broader than the metro, and you've got these counties that are kind of quasi-rural, quasi-urban, you know, maybe some people live there that work in Oklahoma City, but for the most part, they're on their own. They're kind of rural, but that they're connected to Oklahoma City. They probably go to the city a decent amount. They watch Oklahoma City television. They get the, the city's paper. Um, he said we were struggling there, um, and mainly because of the attack ads from uh, Drew Evanson. And he said what we were able to do is we just hammered home the message of Kevin Stitt being an outsider, trying to distance himself from this current administration. And he thinks that they were effective. In, in, in doing so. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that this is an outsider election uh, mm-hmm. election year, um, so there might be some truth to what, to what he was saying. But I also think when you have a higher turnout election like we had, breaking records, it's hard to predict who the electorate's going to be. Yeah. And I think we may have also undersold the, the uh, turnout in the rural areas. I think we did, yeah. I think a lot of people did, probably. The, the interesting um, <clears throat> thing with um, the outsider, <clears throat> excuse me, the outsider factor there is your interview with <clears throat> uh, Governor Lexstitt yesterday. I thought there were, I, I was watching that, I, I thought a lot of what his messaging was <clears throat> was kind of a kinder Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was an outsider message. <clears throat> Excuse me again, there was a moment when he said, um, I'm going to speak directly to the people of Oklahoma. And that, there was something about, and the exact quote, I mean, there's always going to be special interests that try to twist the facts, yes. try to deceive Oklahomans, saying we don't need to do that, let's keep it the way it is. That to me is just a, kind of a kinder, gentler uh, <laughs> Donald Trump saying, I'm going to go past the typical, and I, I'm not exactly sure what he's referring to in special interests, but I'm going to go beyond the people uh, Oklahomans typically hear from. I'm going to speak directly to the people of Oklahoma this to me is interesting. It, it depends who he's defining a special, yes. a special yeah. interest. If he means the legislature, for example, he's in for a messy ride here if he's going to fight them the whole time. But if he is working with the legislature and he's, uh, he might, I mean, could build a coalition that goes past some of the special interests, I guess. I'm, I assume he's referring to someone like lobbyist or something like that. Um, it really depends. I, I think that's the right mindset to come in with, though, because if you're coming in as someone with no... Um, government experience, then you either come in with this sort of mindset that you're really going to push through, or you end up getting kind of run by the people who do know how to run government. Yes. And you do become um, somewhat open to um, the legislative leaders kind of taking over, running your agenda a little bit, because they do know how to get things done. They have been there, and you don't. He's at least coming in with the right mindset, in my opinion. It is a mindset that runs the risk of angering people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's face it. I mean, you're, you come in strong, you run that risk. And I'm curious. To, it'll be obviously very interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, I want to stick on that kind of uh, Trump-esque uh, 
nature of, of Stitt. Uh, but, and you, you referred to my interview with him yesterday, which you can watch um, on the Oklahoma's YouTube page and, and newsok.com. And there were lots of moments where I thought, man, this sounds like Trump. Now, I want to put this caveat, and I, we've talked about this before, and I've actually written about this, that I think you know, to compare someone to Trump, that is a, that is a, you need to, you need to define what you mean by that because oh, it, it, you know, there's two sides to that coin. Yeah. And I wrote about how so, how a lot of uh, Stitt supporters, particularly female supporters, were like, listen, he has the good parts of Trump. I don't think he has the bad parts of Trump. They usually mean the baggage, uh, maybe the grandioseness nature of him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one person told me, you know, Trump's a celebrity. Stitt's not a celebrity. I thought that was a good way to put it. Um, but what he, what some of the things that he said in that interview, one, he told me, uh, we're going to put the smartest people around me, the best people. You're going to like the hires that we make. That was an interesting thing. That's very Trump-esque. You're, you're going to like, you're going to enjoy what we're doing there. <laughs> that quote that you read off, um, you know, really, really reminded me of what he was saying, trying to speak directly to the people. To be fair, he said he'd come on the show a lot, so, um, so he still <laughs> wants to use traditional media. We'll hold him to that. We will though. hold him to that. Um, but, uh, but, you know, there's also been this kind of uh, mindset of Stitt that, running government isn't hard. And he said it before. He's like, this isn't rocket science. This isn't tough. And when you've been really successful in business, like Trump has been in business and brand creation, um, you know, Trump came into the White House saying, like, this is easy. I can do this. Like, I know, what I, I know how to you know, bring change and to make us run like a business. Right. You know, trust me. I know what I'm doing. And there's a little bit of that with Stitt. And I don't know that there's as much cockiness uh, so to speak. And, yeah. it, and I say that because his wife, in an interview I had with her last week, she kind of said as much. Like, it's nice to be compared to Trump, but there's some differences, and my husband doesn't feel like he has to be the top dog in every room. Um, but he is coming in with this idea that, listen, like, we, we can change, I can fix this. Like, you know, not me alone, I'm going to have to put myself around with a good team, but I can lead that change. And so there is a little bit of that, that Trump factor. Yeah, at least he's willing to say, he, he does seem to know what he doesn't know, and he's willing to build a team around him. And mm-hmm. that's really positive. It's nothing special. It's what most... Uh, governors elect do, but it's nonetheless a good sign. I mean, Trump sometimes does seem to think he alone can fix it and he alone will fix it. Uh, you obviously have to consult experts. You're just not an expert on everything. When you haven't been in government, you're not an expert on much of anything within the governing realm there. And he'll quickly learn, and has learned quite a bit, I'm sure. But he, uh, you either become reliant on those other people or you work with them. Um, He's going to come in very strong with a lot of ideas, a lot of passion. Whether he treads over people or not is what I'm looking for. If he's just feeling, if people feel like he's just being, you know, he's just pushing through them, he's ignoring them, or he's, uh, you know, just trying to muscle through his agenda without working with people, then this can get really messy, especially with the legislature. Um, But if he's working with people, I think that legislature, which obviously very Republican legislature, um, and the House got even more Republican, if I recall correctly, Tuesday yep. night, uh, could really get through his agenda. I think, as far as I can tell, they're pretty much on the same page or pretty close. Yeah. It would be interesting to see kind of how, you know, like you said, his style. You know, I think we've had a governor the last eight years um, who hasn't really been one to you know, beat the bully pulpit that much. Not at all. Um, and uh, you know, I'm not sure how strong she was behind the scenes, but that seemed to be kind of where she put a lot of her stuff. In fact, there were times where there's controversies, you know, and she say, hey, that starts with the legislature. Like, I'll sign the bill or I won't sign the bill or whatever the case may be, but, you know, you need to go to them. It's kind of up to them. Right. I don't think Stitt's going to deflect in that same kind of way. Uh, this is probably, you know, he's a CEO of a successful company. He's used to getting what he wants. 
it's going to be interesting what happens when he doesn't get what he exactly, wants. Exactly, yes. Um, but I think he also goes in with a pretty big mandate. He said as much. Hey, 12-point win. People want change. I want to focus on government reform. He has that Republican legislature. Um, but when push comes to shove and you try to change how government is done, when you try to change how the budget process is done, when you try to increase the authority that the governor's office has, um, you know, do you feel like a Republican legislature will just kind of be... You know, yes, sir, we'll fall in line, or you know, where could he find some potholes? I think it probably depends on the issue. If, if they're in agreement, I, I think they're fine with that. I, the legislature was frustrated at times by Fallon's willingness to just say, you guys take care of it first, then send me the bill. They seem to want more input. He's going to go in the other direction. Maybe it's too much input. I don't know. But we'll, it'll be an interesting dynamic, even though it's one-party rule. It's still, it's still interesting. Republican governors and legislatures, or Democratic legislatures and governors, do not always get along very well. And that, their relationship can shape a, a, a governorship and a legacy even of the governor. So a lot to watch for going forward. Yeah, and I don't, and, and never underestimate the power of charisma in politics, too. I mean, and, and Fallon wasn't particularly charismatic. And I don't mean that, I know I'm not trying to criticize her. I mean, we've talked about before, but she's accurate. never lost a race. She's going to go down as a pretty successful politician, even though she leaves office with pretty dismal uh, approval ratings. Um, so maybe like on, on the doorsteps behind the scenes, I'm, I'm selling her short on the charisma part. But like, you know, Kevin Stitt is, I mean, he is your, he looks like a CEO and acts like a CEO. I mean, he is kind of, the spotlight is in him in a, in, in a meeting. And you imagine that he was like that before he even became a CEO, that he probably had this kind of charisma that brought people yeah. to him. And I, and I say that is because when there's that kind of charisma and power, you've probably seen it too. You know, other lawmakers, they like to be a part of that orbit. You know? you know, getting an, an attaboy from the, you know, a powerful politician you know, can make a lawmaker do, you know, you know, go a long way. And so it's going to be interesting to see how his personality um, fills the Capitol. Yeah. Because I think it's definitely going to be a, a bigger presence in the Capitol than we've seen the last eight years. Yeah. And... It sounds like, from what he told you, he's when he has a new policy, even if it's something he hasn't quite run through the legislature completely, he's going to go out and tell the, the people of Oklahoma, and he's probably going to go back to the legislature and say, this got really good, it's really popular, look at, I don't know what metric he wants to use there, but he's going he's gonna to kind of pitch it that way first, and then go to, and, and make his case to legislators if he has to, if it's something that they're not already on board with. So. That is, that's a very different style than what we've seen in the last eight years. It's not to say it's better or worse, but it's a different style. And yeah. uh, even among two Republican governors, it'll be interesting to see how that different style plays out. Yeah, first time Republicans have won the governor's office three cycles in a row. That never happened before. Um, we'd seen two, gov two Republican governors win back to back, um, but uh, each just served one term. Um, so Republicans are continuing to strengthen their, you know, their kind of power here in Oklahoma. I want to ask you this as we kind of wrap up. Um, you know, we talked about the urban-rural divide. Um, you know, how is that going to change the focus in the legislature between Democrats and Republicans, do you think? I mean, if Democrats are truly now an urbanized party in Oklahoma and, and Republicans are mostly rural in some of the suburbs, you know, what issues are going to be important for Republicans because of that geographic power versus Democrats, do you think? And it's a big question. It's not one I've given a lot of thought to. That will be interesting to see. Um, Certainly, yeah, you do have differences. There, there have been more Democrats over the years who could relate to some of those, you know, rural issues 
because they represent rural mm -hmm. areas. And it was probably easier to find compromise on those sort of um, agricultural issues, for example, because yeah. Democrats, when Democrats were still in rural areas and elected from those areas. Um, but there's not a great need for compromise on almost every issue when you have this level of dominance by the Republican Party in the legislature. So it'll be interesting. It's a good question, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I believe the Republicans still have their uh, super majority in the House, which means they can pass through tax increases on their own if they want. I don't think they will, which <laughs> I want to I wanna mention this. Um, our news director, Chris Castile, was in the studio on election night and made this comment, and, uh, you know, Someone who is, you know, maybe watching in a time machine a few years ago would be like, well, no, duh. But he said the biggest takeaway I, he has had in this election was that you can't win the governor office in Oklahoma by running on a platform of tax increases, which is, you know, insane to think about that, that would even need to be said. But if Edmondson was running last year, he may have won this thing. There may have been a, better, a bigger appetite for tax increases, especially to go to education and, and teacher pay. But the success of the walkout in the sense that it got the teacher pay raise done and it got lawmakers saying, we're going to put more money in schools as the economy's growing, maybe took some wind out of the sale for Edmondson as he continued to tell Oklahomans that he wanted to raise taxes. I think that's probably the right read on it. I mean, there, there are a lot of supporters of Edmondson. And, um, yeah. you know, he, he made this race competitive, but it was, uh, in the end, yeah, a uh, 12-point difference. and. That's, um, I think that's a good point. I think that's the right read on it, yeah. Yeah. So you said it was a tough night for Democrats. It really was. But if you're a Democrat trying to spin it a little bit, you have some things you can point to. Uh, they did pick up a couple of Oklahoma City seats, two in the Senate. Yeah. Um, and then the, the poster child for your success when you're trying to spin this as a successful night was the election of Kendra Horn of uh, to the U.S. Congress. So in tomorrow's episode of Political State, we're going to be joined by the representative-elect, talk to her about her surprising win. What does she think now as she heads into Congress and has to deal into some of these uh, national issues that continue to dominate the headlines? So join us tomorrow. But it'll be interesting to talk with her. Um, and it's not just spin. That was big for Democrats, and we'll get into that tomorrow as well. Um, that definitely for the minority party was something that they, they celebrated, not just here, but across the nation as well. That's going to do it for this episode of Political State. We'll be back on Friday with that interview of Kendra Horn and talking more about the 5th Congressional race. Join us tomorrow. We'll see you on Friday.